right. wasting energy. I thought, right. I thought we were started. You know what will help you not waste energy? What's that? It's a quick workout when you get back, followed by a, a, a protein shake and followed by a, a light snack, which is what I call a, a mound of broccoli and a mound of carrots and a mound of protein powder pounded into a motherfucking mountain. Nah, mate. All you need is a watermelon and an old VHS of Mr. Motivator and you'll be, you'll be totally fine. <laughs> You gotta imagine. You gotta imagine the watermelon. That's what you really said. Why did this come? Well, back, basically, back in the day, Mr. Do you remember Mr. Motivator? You must remember Mr. Motivator. Yeah. Right. He was the man that wore the very loud leotards on GMTV. So loud. Cue up. What the hell have I just arrived into? Watermelon. You don't want to know. That's Meanwhile, water. joining us from. <laughs> Joining us from his face, he's got a big cat's face. He's got a body of a cat, and the face of a cat, and he flies through the air because he's got a cat face. A cat face. This is not cat face. This this is World One Stage One. It's bad marketing. So, meanwhile, joining us from somewhere in the Texas desert where he's been buried alive by the sound of things <laughs> is, is Irish. Are you okay? Irish. Oh shit, he's run out of oxygen. We need to start digging. <laughs> what, here? Yeah, just right here. We'll burrow to his location. Better? Much better, better, yes. Much better. But yes, for, some reason it, for some reason, it switched back to my built-in mic again. Ah, uh, that's okay. It yeah, likes it doing that. It yeah, it does. Us. I don't know why. It's not my default, but it, it does that. So, yeah, um... What were we talking about? Mr. Motivator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he was, a, he was a, a, a man in very loud spandex who appeared on GMTV and he would help you work out and wake up in the mornings. And he, he, like, his thing was like, when you were doing your sit-ups or whatever it is, the position of your head so that you're not like too far forward or too far back. You remember shit. quite a lot about Mr. Motivator. I was a very active young man. Well, I see. Um, <laughs> More ways than one. In, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I got much of work out watching that man do his thing. He um, was inspirational. He was in in many ways. Dancing yeah. on that big old like island. Well, it wasn't that big, but it was a it was a a, a mock up of the UK, wasn't it? That he yeah. used to stamp around. Yeah. Imagine, imagine well, no, that was the weatherman. <laughs> yeah, but he used to intrude on the weather. No, he used to intrude. I was like, what are you on the weather? doing? He used to intrude on the like, weather. Can you imagine that? Like, the, 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 the sort of lo-fi British remake of Pacific Rim is like, the British kaiju is just Mr. Motivator stamping across the UK. I can now. Right. But he would always say, like, in order to make sure your head isn't too far forward or too far back, to imagine you've got, like, a watermelon resting on your chest so that I your see. chin rests on the watermelon. So, yeah. Not yeah. a grape, because that would be too far forward. Mm. Watermelon. Yeah. That's the right size. Watermelon. That's what you want. Okay. Yeah. Well, so what I said was accurate. Yeah, exactly. That's what I knew what you were getting at. Yeah. It's them that was confused. Yeah. Weirdos. Go. Not, not understanding why you say all you need is a watermelon and a Mr. Motivator <laughs> tape VHS. Anyway. to World 1 Stage 1. I'm Simon, and joining me as ever are Jack. Yo! Rob! World 1 Stage 1 ho! 
And Irish. Sup? So, before we get started, I went to see a film. It's been ages <laughs> since I've done this. Ooh, it's true. How, yeah. but even though you live in the land of cinemas. Yeah, I know. But they're really expensive cinemas. Well, everything's really expensive in London. It's the land of money and money and money and money. Exactly. That's why I don't and go very cinemas, often. Apparently. But <laughs> I saw Creed. Oh, what did you think? I didn't like it as much as you did, but I really liked it. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's a really, really good film. And would you say, which, well, I mean, obviously, like I said, you didn't think it was as good as I thought it was, but like, would you say it was deserving of more of an Oscar mentioning than it got? Oh, God, yes. Okay, cool, cool. Absolutely, yes. Yes, cool. For what particular aspect do you mean the, the, the film as a whole? Or do you mean I, for a certain performance? I, I, I would have definitely put... Uh, Best original for, screenplay, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what's been nominated for Best Picture. Um, well, they can have up to ten noms, and they had eight, so it deserved to be in the running. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would say so. I can't think of... <laughs> well, first of all, there's two slots that haven't been filled. Uh, I certainly can't think of ten better films, and nor could the Academy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Michael B. Jordan could have definitely gone for Best Actor in that. Yeah. I Potentially, mean, just, yeah. I mean, looking at, say, him in Fantastic Four... Mm. And comparing it to him and Creed, it's quite evident where the weaknesses lie is potentially in the script rather than in the actor. Well, it depends, but yeah. But you can see from Creed that it's, he's not a bad actor. Yeah. Oh, no, um, absolutely. So this is, this is I, don't think it, I don't think that was ever the case. I think, no, no, absolutely. But yeah, like yeah. Kate Mara and, and is also in um, Fantastic Four and she's in House of Cards and is exceptional. It's yeah. all about the material. Exactly. It's what, it's what you're given and how you work with it and how you're directed as well. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. What no, surprised I'm, me was uh, coming out of it thinking Stallone actually deserved his nomination. Definitely. Like, it, it's, very, it's a very vulnerable role for Stallone to be playing. Well, he manages to play the Rocky Balboa character as the most vulnerable and the most likable he's ever been. Definitely. He's, he's not this kind of weird... Or, well, he is still kind of a weird, awkward giant like he was in the, in the first couple of films. But he's sort of settled in and has become part of the furniture now. Um, and is yeah, just really... You, you do look at him like... like you know, an this, old leathery chair. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that is actually the. I mean, it sounds weird, but it's probably the best way to put it. And and he is just this one, and plays it really well. He doesn't steal the limelight mm. um, like you'd expect because it's not Rocky Sit Rocky Seven. Jesus seven yeah. Adrian's Revenge. <laughs> um, but he and it's like when you say Sylvester Stallone gives a really nuanced performance. Yeah, you. Jesus fucking Christ! I was not expecting that. Yeah, what portal did I step through? Yeah, yeah. And and even scenes where he's you know getting, obviously getting angry, getting emotional about things. Yeah, it's quite clearly him going. This is a minor, you know, subplot in the Creed film. This movie is about, you know, mm. Adonis. I am. I am still. I haven't had the opportunity to see it. Um, yeah, I, I still really want to. Did you see it in the cinema, then, Simon? Oh, you did say you went to the cinema to see it. I didn't realise it's still out. It's not out in the in Cheltenham anymore. There's all sorts of repertories and things. That's yeah. very true. You live in London. I forgot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're going to keep reminding you of that just in case you forget. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a fantastic film and. I'm I'm not big into boxing. I never have been, but I've always enjoyed the Rocky films. You know, there's a difference. 
That, they managed to sell yeah. that twelve match, uh, twelve round match. Oh god, yeah! As one hell of a dramatic piece, not just as you know an action set piece, but the drama in it. They actually conveyed what people who are into boxing get out of it, some, somewhat. Yeah, and you know, I, I sat there going, "Oh yeah, no, I, I, I see that." And what I mean, uh, even more so than the first Rocky film, I think they really get across the whole point that this match is not. Adonis versus... It's been a while since I watched it now. Adonis versus Ricky, is it? Yeah. Um, it's like, it's not... Pretty Ricky not, Conlon. Pretty Ricky Conlon, that was it. It's not Adonis versus Conlon. Who was not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> very, <laughs> very decidedly not. Um, it, it is definitely Adonis versus Adonis. It's Adonis versus Apollo. It's, you know... Yeah. They, they, even more so than the first Rocky film where it is just, you know, going the distance rather than actually winning. It's proving you deserve to be there. Yeah. It does that so fucking well, um, and, and like I said, there's, there's that one. There's one shot in it. I'm not going to say any spoilers, right. but there's one shot in it which perfectly sums it up that really took me by surprise in that film because I was expecting <laughs> it to go a certain in, in certain directions. It's when it's right near the beginning when Adonis goes home and puts on an old boxing tape of Apollo Creed, but it's boxing some no name. It's not even boxing. No, it is, it is boxing Rocky, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's boxing. Rocky in, yeah. in some in some match it might be the first film or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and, and you know he start he gets up and he's like throwing a couple of jabs like shadow boxing, and you and I was there going oh cool so he's like he's like you know shadowing his dad and being his dad and boxing no. Rocky and then he lines up with the with the screen yeah and he's shadowing Rocky he's lining up with Rocky he's throwing all the punches and punching his dad like it, it's and you're like oh. Oh, that's where we're going. Okay. That's cool. And instantly the film's like, here's where I was expecting to go, and boom, swerve to the side. And from that moment on, I was like, yes, 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 a thousand goddamn times yes. And we, we say it so much from this show that it's probably not even worth saying anymore, but I'm going to say it anyway, is the fact that, once again, I'm willing to bet that that was shown and not told. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot- it's just a great image they used to send so many different messages. That's a, good lot of that, a lot of that film is, is show, don't tell. Yeah. Um, some of the best scenes in that where there's just absolutely no dialogue at all. Excellent. Um, but yeah, like what's the, what's the montage scene like? Does it fit in with the with the Rocky? Oh, there, are some, there are some great montages. They're not. They're, they're more akin to uh, Rocky one and two. So there's no like there's no Survivor or, or uh, oh, Robert Tepper. Uh, the, like quick, it's, there's no like actual just a music video set, yeah. set to a oh, okay. bag. Basically, we need to sell the music, but there is yeah. there is a montage which is uh, Adonis running through the streets of Philadelphia with like guys on dirt bikes. I, I was, was just gonna bring that up. That was yeah. such a good scene. So well done. So oh, I, I can't. So I can't. So, so, so about punching it. meat in a freezer. No, there is um, chasing a chicken though. The chickens are slowing down. <laughs> I've seen the chicken thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the the the, the montage are really really well done, um, and there's not just the one. And and you do have the steps of you know the Philadelphia Town Hall steps, or whatever it was, with the with the statue and all that. Um, oh, it just it's such a good film. Please go out and see it because it's it's such a good heartwarming film as well. Um, I had emotions watching that film. Emotions. I had I had emotes. That's good. Yeah, it, yeah. it is a very affecting film. Yeah, they did a really good job with it. I, I was, I was expecting to like it, and I liked it more than I was expecting to. That's good. That's good. 
that's I think you know what 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 more could you sort of want from a movie really exactly have it beat your expectations which is in a way a really good like uh, metaphor for the yeah, Rocky be, films be, yeah except five <laughs> yeah there's, there's <laughs> and three yeah three wasn't the best well no I mean it just it wasn't about beating expectations oh yeah well I guess our Wait, expectation I'm was mixing to, them up anyway three is the one with Mr T yeah although there is the cute reference. In Creed. So come on, if, if we're like family now, who won? Yeah, and, oh, because at the end of three, with um, you remember the end of three is is uh, Creed and Rocky, like they go into the, the private boxing, like the little training ring. Yeah, the yeah. Is where you ring the bell, ding, ding. ding. And then they throw a punch <laughs> the cross counter, they both punch each other, the screen you know, freezes. Yeah, yeah. The credits. It's the There's same a couple of references to that yeah. in the same scene. The, when the conversation starts, Adonis says, who won that fight? And Rocky goes, it was kind of a secret. Yeah. Which is a fun joke. Yeah. And then at the end, after they've talked and bonded a little bit, he's like, come on, we're like family. Who won? <laughs> and they do reveal who won. Really? And the thing is, I, I, you know what? I actually took that scene and went, or, do, you know, or is that the actual answer? Cause, yeah, absolutely. It could mm. be Rocky telling Adonis who won what it. he needs to hear right then, or what it, he thinks Rocky, uh, what he thinks Adonis needs to hear. Yeah, it's not, not what he wants to hear, but again, definitely what he needs to hear in that particular instance. Like, oh, it's all... And it makes Rocky look smart, like he's actually learned shit over the years. Yeah, because it is the way he then turns and looks at the photo after Adonis leaves makes you wonder, was that true? Yeah. Oh, it's oh, it is a very subtle oh. film like that, what, which is surprising for a Sylvester Stallone. I, again, yeah. The more I, the more I like these days, I'm really starting to like Sly a lot more than I thought. You know, based on like '80s action stars and whatnot, it's like him and Dolph Lundgren are really growing on me. I read this article about um, his career in general in the wake of Creed coming out. Yeah, um, and I really hope we get this because uh, they're saying that he is since Creed has, you know, happened, going to take a more drama-based kind of pursuit with his career. And you know what? Um, I'd, I'd be happy to see it. He's yeah. done good with it. Yeah, so I hear. I mean, if you say, so, fair enough. You take, you take Rocky as well, he's proven that he can write. He's proven that he can yeah. produce... He, I mean, three and four he directed. So, I mean... Yeah. yeah. I, personally, Rocky Four is one of my all-time favourite movies. Yeah, it's great. But it is not necessarily what I would describe as a good... Movie, um, like if you want perfect, it, like the, the the absolute melting pot, perfect event horizon of of Rocky films, like the the montages, the overcoming the distance, the yelling on top of a tall thing. Yeah, Rocky Four is brilliant. It's it's one of the quintessential eighties movies. It's 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 a loud shouty man punching out a Russian and saving people from the Cold War. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's like that and Commando, are like your two ultimate eighties movies. Yes. Um, <laughs> so he's proven he can direct for a certain value of directing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, Sylvester Stallone is quite an accomplished film man, <laughs> a film man, <laughs> actor, writer, <laughs> producer, director, he, actor, writer, producer, director. He can pretty much do everything except potentially soundtracks. But I don't know. I've not heard the man sing. I kind of don't want to. I don't he, want to. Although next time, I, I mean. I'm not saying we have to hear Stallone drop a rap beat, but maybe. How about no? 
Okay, maybe he will. I, I'm thinking yeah. no. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but yes, Creed, Creed, good, Creed, good. I'm glad you went and saw it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So am I. Yeah, on both mm. counts. <laughs> Speaking of going to films and enjoying them, you went to the cinema as well, didn't you, Jack? I did. I went to the cinema twice yesterday. I went to the cinema once. That makes me twice as cinema as you yesterday. That's true. Why don't you, you talk about the one I didn't see first? Okay. But I saw that one second. Oh, this is confusing. It is. Yeah, Rowan and I tried to go to the cinema on Saturday so that we wouldn't be going to the cinema on Valentine's Day because mm. uh, we figured it would all be really busy. But it turns out the cinema was completely booked out on Saturday for all films forever. Um, and they only had tickets available on Valentine's Day. So we went to, to things. We accidentally went on a date on Valentine's Day twice. Uh, um, it is very us accidentally going on a date. <laughs> um, and we saw in the evening mm-hmm. uh, Dad's Army. And? I have never come out of a cinema with my cheeks aching that much. <laughs> like, seriously, I, I've... Was it really funny, though? I suppressed From yelling at scream? It, it was so good. It was so goddamn funny. Like, a proper British farce. And I know that's not to everyone's taste and all that stuff, but... That is to mine. It is <laughs> like, to yours, and it, but yeah. like I said, it's not, not to everyone's. But it was, oh, it was so... Such a wonderful homage, without being just like, oh, we've, we've treaded this war before, you know, it's it's throwing something in there's like it's like what if we had made a film uh, you know a feature film at the time yeah with you know a sort of a modern budget on it um but even though they're not they're not like throwing money all over the place like you know a big hollywood movie yeah, yeah. um but it's just oh it's really good and every single actor is just it's like they've done nothing since their last movie but watch episodes of dad's army okay so this 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 i need this facial expression for this going so ah this is what i was going to ask it's kind of eerie actually because zombies yeah this is what i was going to ask because like um from from what i saw of it like of trailers and things like that some of them i don't know like do do they completely emulate the characters to a t like from the show or are they slightly different they they are slightly different because i mean um it's Toby Jones, isn't it? Yeah, I really uh, like Toby Jones. Toby Jones' manner ring is a... He, he kind of seems to be a, like a weird cross between, you know, actual manner ring and um, Zola from, from uh, 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 Captain America. Sorry, yeah, when it's it, Not in the sense that he's sort of a little really? bit more... Like, in the sense that he's... It's just his voice for it. He's a little bit more high-pitched. He's yeah. a little bit more small and, mm. and adorable rather than like crotchety and old <laughs> and angry. But he's still he's still he's still those things. He's still disgruntled is the best I yeah. think word. But it's it's the constantly being sort of overshadowed by Wilson or feeling like he's being overshadowed by Wilson with his with his damn public school ways and his Oxford education. Yeah, yeah. Um Wilson who's played by Bill Nye who is you know obviously just excellent. Bill Nye. Um doesn't even need to be yeah. of course everything he does. And yeah, it's just if you if you liked this, the, the series, I didn't actually watch very much of it growing up. Like, it was something that my my granddad and my mum really really liked. Yeah, but everyone's seen. You see, I've a little hair here and there. Um, pretty much any pretty much anyone in Britain who grew up in the you know, the nineties for our lot, yeah, seen it on TV on a Saturday type thing. And yeah, it is it, it is just a really good sort of you know World War Two comedy, and also about the Home Guard, which is you know. In terms of World War Two movie, or World War Two series, like uh, material being touched on, not yeah. that much. Um, Who plays Pike in this? Oh, I, I honestly, I, I didn't. Is that kid from the Inbetweeners? Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the tall one. Yeah, 
I don't know his name. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he, you know what? It was Stupid Boy Productions as well, by the way. Stupid Boy. <laughs> Stupid Boy. I was worried there was going to be, I was worried there was going to be like a whole bunch of like references and, and like cameo lines yeah, yeah. and stuff. But they, they were actually quite sort of well done. Like there was one reference of Stupid Boy and it was perfectly within context. Oh, great. Like, Don't tell me. No, I'm not sure <laughs> when it was, but it was there. Yeah. Um, and lots of sort of comedy of errors and that sort of stuff, you know, you know notes being passed to the wrong person and yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And oh, school. oh, but this means that this person A must be a, a Nazi spy. Oh, yeah. it all makes sense now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Excellent. And, and also just Michael Gambon trying to get people riled up to make them like do their combat training by yelling in German at them. But the only German he knows is from his nanny when he was growing up. So he's just yelling at them things like, make sure you've brushed your teeth. <laughs> and would you like me to tuck you in, my angel? Oh, <laughs> um, oh Blake Harrison. That's who it is. Uh, so yeah, it was it was it was very good. I, I would recommend if if you're if you're a fan of your good British fast comedies, if you're a fan of the Dad's Army series, or if you're a fan of just very silly comedy of errors humor, um, definitely go and watch it. It, it, it had me just suppressing belly laughs. I was also, it was quite weird to be like, you know, a third the age of the average audience member as well. Yeah. Um, that was quite odd. Yeah. Especially because it was like Deadpool earlier. Oh yeah, that was the film I saw earlier. Yeah, that's the, that's the other saw. film. So let's, let's hit on this. Okay. Very briefly, can I just say, ask, ask something about Deadpool? Okay. What the hell do you have to do to get an 18 rating in the UK. <laughs> yeah, because Jesus Christ, was that a 15? Oh no, I thought it was an 18. I, I thought it was a 15 was... in this country. Oh, there's full frontal nudity and and everything in that goddamn film. And I'm like, base, not there is. Well, not properly. It, it's okay. It, it's dark and a bit smoky and whatnot, but it's it's there. Well, okay. Um, like the one occasion though, I reckon if there were two occasions, that would make it an 18. True. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's like the things that you're allowed the one, the, is it the one fuck in a 12? That sounds like a weird, weird sound, That does sound weird. You know what I mean? Like in a 12 movie, you're allowed to say fuck once or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. I think that's a PG actually that you can. Is it PG? Really? Jesus the PG 13. Oh, yeah. I mean, like in, well, in UK things, because I know we're, because it, it, it went for an R rating in America and there are different. Ratings yeah, there are. between here and the states, which is why it got like the equivalent of an eighty or well, seventeen rating over there and an eighteen uh, fifteen rating over here. Okay, not because we're more lax on censorship or, or um, uh, age rating laws, but because we just have different criteria for them. Hmm. Um, although, quite a bit well, of in some regards, we're more strict because um, a child of any age can go to CNR as long as they're accompanied by an adult. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. It's, um, the only classification where uh, you can't be accompanied in by an adult is the NC-17. Which they don't generally tend to show in cinemas. No, no, they do. Right? It's just the equivalent okay. of an 18. Right, okay, cool. Gotcha. I thought NC-17 was like the unrated, not unrated, like it was the, I get confused, really, really confused. Um, but yeah, um, mostly I, was just re- I remember coming out of that and going, yeah. my, my, my review of, De- of Deadpool was basically like, I... I went in with low expectations. I, I went in going, okay. I expected nothing of it. Yeah, I, I went in going, okay, I know this is, because I, I quite like Deadpool comics, I know this is going to be a letdown from there. It's not going to reach the point of what I like in Deadpool comics. Right, okay. Okay, so what I now have to aim for is like, 
damage control. I've got, <laughs> I've got to hope that it's not too far from the mark. Yeah. And you know what? You're minding the China. I was sort of, okay, if you take, like, Deadpool as being point zero, right. and, like, point 100 is, like, complete and utter fuck-up, like, right. Ant- like Ant-Man scale fuck-up, mm-hmm. right? I was hoping it would be about a 50. Just, right. just like I was like, just give me a fifth. Just give me a fifty on this scale. It's and really confusing. I think they can do. All right, okay. <laughs> give me a halfway point. Here, yeah, right? okay. and it sort of got a bad quarter, about a twenty-five. Like it wasn't as absolutely terrible as it could have been. Right, but it, it and it was more. It was more enjoyable than I was expecting it to be. Yeah, that's the thing. I came out of it and I, I thought to myself, I just, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But the thing was, I, I thought to myself, but I'm not. I'm not really entirely surprised by this personally. Like, I thought the way it, mark- it was marketed was shock. Quite a good. No, I thought it was quite. Um, well, in a sense, like it's enjoyable. Mm. It's good. Like it was marketed in a way that was a little different. I think that helped it. Yeah. Uh, I think I read recently it is it has broken the record of um, R-rated movies. Opening of an R-rated movie. Oh, yeah. really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what well, I'm, which I'm not saying is like the, no, no, no. a good thing. Like Fifty Shades of Grey was the one beneath that. So take from that what you will. It's beaten up. But, um, <laughs> that's one thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but um, no, I, like I really enjoyed it. One thing that did sort of, and this isn't a spoiler anyway, but I don't exaggerate when I say that half of that film basically takes place in the same location. Uh, if you think about it, yeah, pretty much. Which I was like. Okay, there are interesting. Like, they're there, taking a while. There are like three sets. Yeah, like it's yeah. Obviously, it's like to do with that. But uh, I'm trying not to spoil the film here. But like, there are like let's not forget it's an origin story as well. Yes, which can often be a pain in the ass. And it didn't fall into all the traps of an origin story, which I quite enjoyed. And it made it pretty fucking gruesome as well. It was pretty yeah. yeah. Like it's pretty crazy. This film, right? Like, you'll see it, some shit. Is it quite it's, tense? Is it? It's quite intense. It's also quite nice to see Marina Bakker in, in films again. Um, I've gone blank. Play Vanessa. She, um, uh, like, uh, probably our listeners will know it from uh, Firefly. From Firefly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was good. She was really good. Very good. Yeah. yeah. In fact, everyone was pretty funny in it, like I thought as well. Like, obviously, let's, I'm just going to say this. Ryan Reynolds is great as him. I, I don't think... Ryan Reynolds I think he does a really good job. Ryan Reynolds didn't him. let me down. He but, didn't let me down. That's that's what I would say. But I think he is. He basically embodies him. Really, I think. I can. I, think I, can, I, really good I can. I I have no problem he, now. He's always this. he's always wanted to be Deadpool. So when he got to play him, or play, you know, play Wade in Origins, he loved it. It's really absolutely ruined it. Yeah, which can be. I mean, obviously, it can be a problem when fanboys get to play the role they've always wanted to play or get a lot of control over a movie that they've wanted to have a part in. Mm-hmm. That can be a problem sometimes. It can be. You also uh, had the fact that Deadpool in the comics even described himself as... Ryan Reynolds, uh, cross for the sharp so, Um which does yeah. come up in the film. One of, one of his descriptions of himself is, yeah, I got bit by a radioactive Sharpe. Hmm. Um, so I was like, oh yeah, but, yeah but Ryan Reynolds, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, I think... I think <sighs> What I was most impressed was like Rowan came out of it going, eh, it wasn't really my cup of tea, but uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not upset that we went and saw it. I can see people adoring this film. Yes, and people do. Yeah. And All like, I know that's... is that our resident Deadpool fanatic fucking loved it. I don't know. I thought it was alright. <laughs> <laughs> not you. Oh wait, who's usurping me then? 
Kaylee. Oh yeah, resident. You don't. You, you, you keep using that word. I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> Cheeky Good resident. call. Um, but it's yeah. It just just to sum up, then it's a really I think quite an enjoyable film. Yes. Um, it, it does push the boundaries in some areas. There was one joke that I thought was that needed. One. I'm not going to say was, what it was. Is. Was that the transphobic joke? Is it the what? Sorry, the transphobic joke. I, yeah, because like literally all I know about this film is that it's got transphobic humor in it. Uh, in, in one instance, what there is, there is one instance. Yeah, it might be with but, Angel Dust. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but I think overall, like in terms of a superhero film, because like, it technically falls into that category. It Although does no, it doesn't. Oh no, it's, there it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it's kind there's, of the whole some, crux of the there's point. an excellent discussion about the X Men in it as well, which I really appreciated. There's some wonderful stabs, wonderful aggressive stabs at the X Men franchise that I really liked. It's, um, it's also nice to see Colossus, although, like, yeah, again, <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, the, the, the discussion that came out of it, like, like I said, I, I tend to, I tend to judge like uh, Marvel films and all that, not like by my own standard, and then just to go right, okay, I'm going to talk to someone I know who like doesn't normally go in for these sorts of things. Mm. Let's let's see, like, to the the end. So I go to Rowan on these sorts of things, and it's like, what did you think here? And she's like, really, really liked Colossus. Also. If Zoe hasn't cosplayed Negasonic Teenage Warhead by the end of this year, we're both going to be very, very, very disappointed. <laughs> she does currently have the hair for it. Yeah. There you go. And she's wicked. She's she? awesome. She's, she's really fantastic. awesome. Um, uh, I'd, I'd like to see uh, her in, in more stuff. So uh, she'll clearly be in the already... Did you say it was greenlit? I, uh, from what I've heard, but I could be... Basically, by the amount of money it is made, it is... As good as yeah, it, it um, has been greenlit for a sequel already. Yeah, um, but no, it was it was enjoyable um, with some elements that I was like, Jesus Christ! But like, like I think some of the more grisly elements were enjoyable because I, of the how it, outlandish it is. It, you know, it hit this sweet spot because while there were elements that were a little bit well, there were there were elements that went a bit over the line. Um, it could have built its entire chassis off of shock and going over the line yeah. and um very distasteful humor like really 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 just let's mm. go out and try and offend as many people as possible and that's what they could have built the whole film and they didn't no they didn't in but fact, at the same time they could have really reined it in and made like you know not a family friendly Deadpool mm. but certainly a toned down Deadpool and they didn't do that either they kind of got this nice sweet spot to, they barring one or two instances yeah they, they had the spirit of the, the character intact and I think that despite its humour I think it's all meant quite well like some of it may be misjudged like elements of it that we yeah. we sort of refer to uh, but I think overall it had quite a good spirit to it you yeah. know you can tell that people enjoyed making that movie um, so yeah. that's you know always good. But anyway. I'm gonna see it on Wednesday night, so yeah. Well, I'm sure um, we'll be able to discuss spoilers at some other point. Sure. Mm-hmm. My, my my thing is like I didn't I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say like oh, yeah I I give it you know ten out of ten. But equally, it's just like uh, it, I can't say I hated mm. hated it. Like it, it's not it's not an Ant Man. It's it's not a Winter Soldier, but it's not an Ant Man. Yeah. Um, it's just enjoyable. Yeah, some people are going to really, really hate it. Some people are going to really, really love it. Yeah. But, you know, it's going to be many things to many people. Yeah. Go 
don't give it a go or don't you know <laughs> man i'm shit at reviewing today. no no no, really no, 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 no. <laughs> i think that's an excellent i think that's um, a, actually an yeah. excellent point I did say when we were we were like in our like rundown of the year, I was like, "Well, I'm going to go and watch it." Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. There you go. Now I start the countdown to motherfucking Ghostbusters. Mm. <laughs> um, speaking of ghosts, <laughs> that's a pretty good segue. That was oh, beautiful. I'm, I'm sorry. I just I have to just kiss myself Do right it. now because kiss it. Oh. Oh. Kiss the book. Oh, that was. Prime grade A segue. Segway sandwich. Mm. So what do you mean talking about ghosts? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> you dropped the ball. I did. Simon? Simon, why are we talking about ghosts? Now I stabbed myself with a pen. Because <laughs> ghosts are one of the primary antagonists in the world of darkness. Oh. Oh, oh yeah, that's the episode we're talking about today. Yes. <laughs> I, <got confused>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's still a fantastic segue. What did you think we were segueing the, the, to? The, the episode that we're not recording later and will not be coming out a week after this one. <laughs> he thought it was where there are also ghosts trapped, as it were, in containers of a sort, like shells. Like shells. But they are also one of the primary antagonists in the world of darkness. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, oh my god. You were just lucky then. I made a double segue. You were just I made an accidental segue. I segued so hard, I segued into next week's episode. <laughs> Is it next week's episode? With a segue that applies to this week's episode. Holy shit. I think I might become a segue-based superhero. <laughs> my powers have become too bad. I am killing our studio audience with my powers of Segway. He is choking to death in the armchair. Holy fuck. That was beautifully done. I am... I, I'm spent. That's it. I don't have to talk for the next two weeks. <laughs> that's this is brilliant. That's wow. Excellent. Um, okay. I'm impressed. I'm going to get myself another protein Do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know, what is the World of Darkness? The World of Darkness is a setting for role-playing games uh, that comes from White Wolf Publishing, a company set up back in 1991. Uh, Whoa! Oh, man. That's yeah, 25 years ago. Sonic old. 1. <laughs> old. It's really old. That's, like, older than some of our listeners. Worryingly, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Nearly as old as me and Rob. You're depressing me. Wait, what? Nearly as old as you and I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was it was the you and was the me and Rob the bit you got confused about? <laughs> and it was like you and me? What? We're the same age. Are we? We've had this conversation. We're not having this again. Carry on, Simon. World of Darkness is also an exhibit at the Bronx Zoo. Um I learned that on Wikipedia. Oh. Is it about it has, I, I don't know. Is it it's just at the top of the World of Darkness page. It's like for the Bronx Zoo exhibit. Click here. Guys, 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 can we go to the Bronx Zoo? Let's go, let's do. Uh, there's a certain logistical problem with that. We well, you just go to New York. That's not a logistical problem. A really long way away. It's not that far. It's like eight hours on a plane. However, it was the setting of a World of Darkness game that I played in. Let's carry on. <laughs> <laughs> setting for a World of Darkness camp. Oh, no, yeah, Bronx. It was in, Bro- in the Bronx. It was the in the Bronx. I thought part of it. Well, was parts in the of it happened in the Bronx. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was quite interesting. So I assumed it was Manhattan. Just <laughs> <laughs> alienate most of our fucking New York listeners there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, the world of darkness uh, is—it's a sort of a modern gothic 
kind of a setting. It's uh, it's also not the only thing White Wolf do, actually. If we're talking White Wolf, yes, then we probably ought to mention that they've created the World of Darkness, which is your modern gothic supernatural horror, things that go bump in the night. Which is basically the real world, but slightly more shitty. Yeah, it's it's very much our world if all the things people fear from the supernatural were real. And yet somehow are still kept under wraps. <laughs> like literally, literally, if you imagine it, it's real. Vampires, werewolves, ghosts, fairies, demons, mummies, they're all real. Yeah. but the, I'm the, the genuinely great... wondering if that will continue to be true, that they're all under wraps. Oh, yes. I was yeah. going to say, because most of the games are based around the idea of keeping that under wraps, aren't they? True. So that's they're, sort of the... They're self-regulating mysteries. Yeah. And at the same time, they're going in a new direction with it now. And we don't know details, but they released a trailer. And the trailer seemed to imply that the world was learning that these things exist. That they were saying, you know, we know vampires don't appear on camera because of mirrors, but digital cameras are mirrorless. So suddenly there's footage of them. There's, you know, there's surveillance cameras everywhere. Everyone has a mobile phone. Mm. I think because one of the interesting things about the world of darkness is that it had a timeline. You know, uh, things happened in the, the world of the world of darkness, and you could set a story at some point in that canonical timeline. And everyone um, set their Vampire the Masquerade campaign in 1999, because that's when everything <laughs> happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering if the timeline has now been extended into the modern day and things aren't as secret as they used to be. Mm. Which gives a lot of potential for the Hunter games to be much more interesting. Where oh, you God, play yeah. mortals whose job it is to hunt these things down. But they also the came up with Exalted, Scion, and uh, was there another one? Well, I mean, White Wolf also, I mean, I don't know if they were trading under the name White Wolf. They also wrote the Ravenloft setting for Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, of yeah, course they which did. Which is a great, which is, I don't know if they, again, I don't know if they were under White Wolf at the time, but like everyone involved in Ravenloft was involved in White Wolf in some way, even the artist. And if, they, if you get, open up the old... Ravenloft book and just look at all the, the art for it. It's yeah. exactly the same as the old yeah, Dark yeah, Ages yeah. vampire stuff. Which was crazy because I've, I've been a big fan of Ravenloft for quite a while. I, I quite enjoy my D&D and you only told me that like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But then as soon as you said it, 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 all, clicked, it, it all clicked into place. It's just, so it's, like, of course it is. It's a fantasy world where everything's slightly more shitty. Yeah. And gothic. Gothic. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so it all kind of makes sense there. But again, you had Exalted, which was like high fantasy... Uh, superpowers and Hong Kong action movie. Yeah, wasn't there? Uh, there was like one power that you could take from the like second level as an archer and exalted, and at second level you can shoot the eye of a bird that's flying like ten miles away. Yeah, <laughs> that's sort of stuff. I mean, Scion's not much better because Scion is the idea of you playing superheroes, you get your powers from being uh, the offspring of the gods. Like the gods have created a new series of heroes, you know, like, you know, Heracles and, and Perseus yeah, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, you are the new heroes of of, of legend. Mm. So you pick a you pick a pantheon. Whether I mean the, the basic one for the book being uh, Egyptian, Greek, Norse, Aztec, Japanese, or Voodoo. Yeah, and then you pick a god, and you're right. I'm a son of Baron Samadhi, or oh, wow. or, or um, Seattle, and like okay, now I've got these powers. And you just go, right, what's my level one power for air? You go, oh, I'm immune to falling damage. <laughs> yeah. I can just wow. take okay. a jump off a skyscraper whenever I like. Yeah. Level one um, fire. You, you can't be burned. 
Yeah, level one fire, immune to fire. It does note, however, that you uh, are not immune to like uh, inhalation of smoke or um, anything like that. Same with like level one of earth is you're immune to uh, being uh, crushed by things. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be trapped under them. You can be trapped under them, and you can asphyxiate, but then it's not the rubble killing you. It's your own goddamn lack of stamina. Which is my, which brings my question up, because I've never played these games, mm. and uh, I do... No one plays style. I do really... I love <laughs> role-playing games. I adore them. Mm. But what I think... What is, what is the benefit, considering that these, these abilities are so OP, yeah, so overpowered, they are, yeah. that where, where does the... Where, where does the the game come from. Like, I mean, what do you get out of the game if you can do all, all these amazing things without having with, to worry? With Scion in particular, because I mean, I didn't really play much of Exalted, um, but Scion in particular, the idea is that the challenges you face, I mean, look at the ancient heroes. I'm going to go with Greek because it's, it's what I spent most of my time learning about. Um, if you look at the Greek heroes, like Heracles and all that, he had, he was super powered beyond all belief. He was incredible. Yes. But he had great challenges. He had the trials. Yeah, to yeah. Overcome. And the idea is that you're superhuman. Yeah, you can do things that no human being can do. Mm-hmm. But now you're expected to do things that no human being can do. Mm. And also, the titans the are rising. Oh yeah, there's also that. The titans have come about. Yeah. And they are also having children. So there are evil superheroes. So the idea is, uh, it, it's like, well, what's the point of Superman? Well, yes. he faces other Kryptonians. You know, the people around yes, him right. can't threaten him at all, but he faces threats equal to his power. Excellent. And it makes you a superhero. It makes you Superman. So the city where you're set in, you'll be, you know, demolishing buildings as you fight in the street and people are running screaming because you're having a truly epic war of the gods. Yeah, absolutely. So like, okay, granted, you can make a starting level character in Scion who can literally pick up a rock Mm -hmm. and starting level, pick up a rock, throw it, catch it behind the back of his head as it circles around the entire world. Yes, yeah, you I can, remember that You can do that at starting level. Yeah. But keep in mind, mm-hmm. your opponents have better powers than you. They have followers. They have perhaps more insidious powers. You know, all these different things. But what I really, what I really liked about Scion, which I, I feel like I, sh- I should give it a go and try and run it again. Oh, because cool. um, I, I wasn't really prepared for the like the power. It's like if, you know, it's like a fucking rodeo ride. You know, the, bro- yeah. the bucking bronco ride. I was not prepared for what it was like when I got on <laughs> and tried to run it last time. I know sort of what I'm dealing with now. Um, is you worked it in <laughs> the idea of legend and fate? Yeah, is that the stuff that gives you power? Your, your legend, it's like your power that, that courses through, and it grows with you as you become, because you start off as a hero, you become mm. a demigod, eventually you can become a god of your chosen purview. Mm. Um, my favourite being uh, becoming a god of chaos, you can literally become a giant cloud, and anything caught beneath that cloud goes completely bug shit and starts killing each other. Oh. Yeah. Um, and although level one of that is you're immune to chaos. Like you could literally walk through a riot and be completely unharmed. Yes, I remember. As long as you didn't cause the riot. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, as long as you didn't cause chaos not of your doing. Um but yeah, um legend as it grew would basically it it became it's like a gravitational force. It attracts things to you so that it can grow itself. Yeah. So the idea being that all these great things happen to heroes, like whether it's you know ancient Greek heroes or whether it's superheroes in comics, things keep happening to them. Like the bad guy always seems to fucking land near Metropolis mm. and always comes and finds Superman. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that you basically, you are an invisible beacon. Like, legend just draws threats to itself. It mm. draws opportunities to make your legend grow. Yeah. Whether that be through the, 
your followers, like someone will just become their their fate will just become inextricably bound to yours. And like their 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 life is now in your hands. And they're bound to die, they're bound to become your lover, they're bound to become your ward, whatever it is, their life is now completely bound to yours. It might be an enemy, it might be giant fucking monsters from beneath the earth suddenly just burrow up in the middle of your city. Like the, the, the excavator mole man might suddenly appear out of nowhere. Oh, now I love the Incredibles. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, it could be any number of things. It's, and it's also just a really good way to have the plot keep going. The, the GM doesn't need to come up with more and more reasons, more and more convoluted reasons to get things. It's like, yeah, your legend is growing. You are drawing threats to yourself. What do you do? Do you stay in this town where all your loved ones are? And that's a really organic style of role-playing, really, isn't it? Where, really, you're allowing the character's agency to, like, propel um, what you're playing rather than just you having to, like you say, spoon-feed them. And they build their own legend. And it's, yeah. it's just, and you can randomly roll it if you want to, but if you're, if, I mean, oh, sorry, that was going to sound really, really pretentious and shitty if you're, if you're a good GM, but you can run, randomly roll it, but if you've been GMing for a while and you know your players quite well. You do what they enjoy. Yeah, you, you know exactly how to manipulate things so that, you know, a player that will like a bit more drama, you can give them an NPC that's become links. If they prefer, like, martial prowess, you can give them, oh man, you know, the great boar from Her- uh, Herculean legend that could never be pierced, I forget what it's called now. Um, but, um, you know, that suddenly has come, one of its spawn in the modern day has come out, Hogzilla. Hogzilla. It's actually in the main book, it's, it's the, uh, the, Nemean, the Nemean boar. It has, it, has spore, it has spawn all across like the Midwest of America. That's amazing. And it's like a 30 ton boar, like the size of a truck. Yeah. Go on then, take it down. Yeah, <laughs> off we go. <laughs> yeah. It's, it suddenly becomes a case of, yeah, all right, you, all right, if you catch it, you can lift it, but it is heading towards that orphanage or whatever. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's that's Sion. I mean, I, I I keep ragging on it in person because I tried running it and I was kind of not great at it because I wasn't I didn't really know what I was expecting. Um, but it, I'm sure it is actually a good system if you know what you're doing. It was my failures as a GM that make me make jokes about it. Um, yeah. I love to some people that run a good Sion game. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, the uh, Percy Jackson series of books is a really good way of doing the whole how do the the, the bad guys always find the uh, the heroes? Yeah. And yeah, especially because they're all demigods. Basically, they're the god side of their bodies, like their, 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 their genetic makeup, mm. emits a scent. Yeah, and the the creatures, you know, all the Greek, all the, especially all the various creatures, because the, the mythologies in this universe all, all intertwined, yeah. um, can sense this scent. Yeah, I mean, if and and uh, they they call it, and uh, it's called the mist for humans. Human, so you know, a regular human looking at it wouldn't see the creature. They would see, so say, looking at a cyclops, they might see a huge bloke. Yeah, like you know, he he would be way bigger than normal, but he'd and he'd look scary as hell. But he would just be a big guy. A big guy. Yeah, but they the the. Creature itself could sense the, the 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 scent of the heroes. So, I mean, if you're if you're a fan of the Percy Jackson series and I, and and want to get into role playing, definitely seek out Scion because I mean, from what I hear, it is basically Percy Jackson the RPG. I'd be very interested to know which one came first. Actually, thinking about it, um, Scion, I believe. Yeah, Percy but- Jackson was a mid mid two thousand. 
Well, so was Sion. Sion yeah, was so, uh, oh, true. 2007 uh, it first came around. It's not that, it's not that oh, recent. Maybe, but yeah. maybe. Uh, and books, books, you know, bandy around for a very long time. Before that's true. Everything. Um, it's just that basically, um, we may end up getting to a discussion on the Underworld films and, uh, <laughs> and White Wolf and, and its legal department. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so yes, but I mean, probably the, the, the meat and potatoes, when you say White Wolf to someone in terms of role-playing, yeah. what you're probably going to get is a conversation about the world of darkness. True. No, and in the majority good. of cases, probably Vampire the Masquerade. This is what I say. And then you have the split between Old World of Darkness new world of darkness mm. or now even more goddamn confusingly the world of darkness which is sort of lovingly dubbed new new world of darkness well <laughs> no actually there's no? no world of darkness anymore is it, not, is it not trading under that name anymore no um oh. to give a, a brief history of the company structure oh yes so where they came from where they are now it was formed when uh Mark Rainhagen, who was one of the co-creators of a game called Ars Magica. And a goth. And, and well, <laughs> and a let's goth. face it, everyone who founded this company was a goth. I'm, I'm going to add the suffix, and was a goth, to the end of literally everyone's name in goddamn uh, White Wolf. Yeah. Um, merged with uh, the company, well, formed the company with Steve and Stuart Weick, who were creators of Villains and Vigilantes, and I think a couple of other games hmm. back in the 80s. Um, and they came together to form White Wolf Publishing, which started with Vampire the Masquerade, a game about vampires living amongst mortals and trying to preserve themselves in secret. That was the Masquerade. It was the, the, the play that there are no vampires, keeping into the shadows to not scare the mortals because they need them to feed. And the premise of that game is... You play a vampire trying to cling to humanity as the monster takes hold as you feed and stalk your prey in the night. Or you can let the beast take hold and go nuts. I mean, you can. I mean, it's up to you. You are, you are in control of your destiny. See how long you last. Yeah. But of course, with Ars Magica behind him, Mark Rainhagen, a huge fan of magic. The Ars Magica setting is basically 12th, 13th century uh, European history, where it, it's sort of the, the original world of darkness. It is the 12th and 13th century where what they believed was true. So droughts and crop failures are due to demons, uh, fairies are leaving changelings, and angels are blessing people. And there's a magic system. So he wrote Mage, The Ascension. Which is so beloved. Like, it has a smaller fan base than Vampire, but a mu- they are small, but very rabid. Well, they're dedicated. Very dedicated. It's a great game as well. It's absolutely incredible. And it, I, it's, a, it's a thing I've begun to realize over the years, is I love the concept of consensual reality. <laughs> the idea that if you believe it, it beco- if enough people believe in something, it becomes true because yeah. the universe essentially shapes itself around the expectations and uh, persistence uh, perceptions of the people perceiving it. Mm. So mage is all about twisting your magic so that it is what people expect it to be. Your most powerful um, weapon is belief. Your most powerful counterattack is disbelief. Um, to, to the point that I forget what they're called, but there's a, there's a section of the technocracy. 
um, who basically are all about um, uh, they're basically all about like keeping alive old uh, technologies and old ways of thinking. So, like anytime something gets made defunct or gets debunked. They they keep they keep it in a little locker somewhere, going in case we need this again. Mm. So things like um, you know what's, what's the head bump measuring thing, Physi- oh, physiognomy or whatever it's called, um, phrenology, phrenology, like all that sort of stuff is just there. And basically, um, uh, apparently, like they occasionally will throw in new scientific methods. They'll just invent new theories of you know they'll invent scientific theories, like a lot of people will, you know, a lot of scientists will do. But because of their, of their mage powers, will basically just make them actual parts of reality. So there is, I think there was one named character that basically got kicked out of, the, of this, this crew um, for being kind of a weirdo. And he's like, well, you know what? Fucking fine then. Boom. I've just invented quantum physics. That's, <laughs> that's my parting gift to you. Deal with that. Mic drop. He just made quantum physics be a thing. Nice. And then just walked out. So this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a very weird game. And it, I mean, Mage is a very interesting one for role players who are maybe more akin to things like Den- uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which is, you know, in its basic form, you are the you know you are the heroic adventurers. Go and slay the evil dragon, get the treasure, rescue the princess. Mage, In basic D&D, yeah. Let's not be cruel. <laughs> Mage is really interesting because the powerful evil antagonistic force in it, hmm. the technocracy, are essentially saying, "Well, you know, magic is really goddamn dangerous, mm-hmm. and people aren't ready to deal with it yet." Yes. So well, the technocracy, what they're actually saying is reason should trump belief. The supernatural has too much influence over our world. Magic is part of that. Yeah, and it needs to be controlled. But what's brilliant is, if you look at it from now, you look at the technocracy and you go, they're kind of right, they're kind of the good guys. But because it was written in the early 90s by a sort of bunch of very like-minded goth guys, they were very much the bad guys because they were the man. Like part of one of, yeah. one of one of their like splinter groups was literally just called the corporation. Yeah, like it was very. I mean, first edition mage was very, very um, sort of. I, I guess describing it as hippie, hippie? isn't it? Yeah, it's very hippie. But again, that's, I mean, running any kind of role-playing game is down to the interpretation of what you want that game to be. And I think um, that's just two sides of of a coin, really, isn't it? It's it's changed over the years, because each each game that White Wolf have made has had a second and third edition, and is now... And they they are very much in that grey area, aren't they, that I I quite like, uh, in terms of... Is someone a good guy or a bad guy? I mean, mean, most of them tend to work on what's called, like, a blue and orange morality. Yeah. Like it's it's not who's right. Think of right and wrong as being on a vertical scale. Right, right is up and wrong is down. Yeah. Most of the the, the things you can play in World of Darkness operate right to left. Yes. They're they're not interested in what's right and what's wrong. They're interested in what's good for them and bad for their enemies and and vice versa. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I guess like your most obvious classic good guys in terms of from a human perspective. Um. In World of Darkness, I guess would be vampires, uh, not vampires, sorry, werewolves. Werewolf, yeah, werewolves. Um, because the werewolves. I was going to say hunters. Sorry? I was going to say hunters. Not, well, Old World of Darkness or New World of Darkness? New World of Darkness, admittedly. New World of Darkness, definitely not, because they're very fractured and most of them are essentially serial killers. 
um, yes. will think nothing of using other people as collateral damage. Well, that is true. The idea with New Hunter is the, the, the whole point of like uh, New Hunter is the Nietzsche quote. I think it's Nietzsche. It's the you know stare the, into the abyss. Yeah, the abyss stares back into you. It's literally you can only fight monsters for so long before you lose everything you have and you stop being a human. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, like if you're a slasher, you either go out in a blaze of glory, or you become you. There's a whole separate section. There's a whole separate book for it called Slasher, where like you either go out in a blaze of glory fighting monsters. You become a monster because you end up getting, you know, turned into a vampire by a particularly sadistic dickhead. Or you become a serial killer. So you die a hero or a legend enough to become a villain. Whereas Old Hunter was a bit weird because it was the imbued. You were humans that had ancient souls of yeah. heroes a bit. So the, the, Old Hunter was a bit confusing. Um, but but yes, we are getting a little ahead of ourselves. Hero, aren't you? <laughs> You've got to save the world against the oncoming apocalypse. It's, the giant worm, isn't it? The dragon. Well, this is again, this is the confusing thing is because depending, because it's the whole point of World of Darkness in terms of a role-playing game is that you are an individual. You shape your own story. Of course. Um, so yes, you could definitely play a werewolf who's like, yes, we need to save the world from the oncoming apocalypse. We need to save the people. Hence the game werewolf apocalypse. Yeah. The, or alternatively, on the flip side, you could play a red talon. And I don't know a GM who's ever let one, any of their players play a red talon. What about a black spiral dancer? You could not play a black spiral no. dancer. That would be, I mean, uh, this is, I'll, I'll get onto that in a moment because it's actually quite an interesting little, uh, not flip-flop, but a really interesting bit of maturity from White Wolf in this phrase of black spiral dancers. But the red talons are like, yeah, we need to definitely defend the world from the apocalypse. Yeah. Fuck the humans. We need to defend the world, the natural world, the forest, the trees, the wolves, the, you know, Oh, the colors of the wind. <laughs> but humans can go fuck off because they've, they've royally fucked this up. Like, you've ruined a perfectly good planet is what you've done here. Look at it. It's got a hole in the goddamn ozone layer is what it's done, you fucking monkeys. That's exactly what's happened. Yeah. No one really likes the humans at World of Darkness. Uh, vampires do. They've, they've, oh, yeah, they're, well, they're food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they like food again. Um, <laughs> tend to like humans, but whether that's a good thing or not in yeah. old world of darkness is, is really up for debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, mummies are kind of doing their own thing. <laughs> yeah, the mummies. Demons really like humans. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 well, they need them. One of, my, one of my again. favorite, again, it's one of my favorite bits of cosmology is that old, old demon was like, okay, we've got vampire hat touches on biblical creation myths. And right. it's all about Cain and Abel. Yes. Cain was the first vampire when he struck down his brother, God cursed him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, werewolf goes completely balls to the wall animism and Native American beliefs. Yeah. Mage has its own thing going on with its own like spheres of magic and reality um, perception. But Demon just goes, all right, fine. Uh, Judeo-Christian mythology is actually the, the real way of the, the universe. This is, well, as far as we know, this is how it was. Mm. You know, God created the world and he, he basically subcontracted because God God's busy, he can't be everywhere. I mean, he can, but you know, <laughs> but he, he doesn't, doesn't want to be. Nah. So he's like, well, okay, I've made the world. Uh, I'm going to now populate it. So I'm going to make these angels and, okay, angels, build me a thing. <laughs> and so each angel got given a different job. So yeah. in Demon, you play a fallen angel, you get to pick what your job was when you were an angel. So you could be the angel who developed the human nervous system. You could be an angel who developed pine cones. There's all these possibilities, you know. Can you imagine if one of them shows up to God and goes, "Hello, God, I've just invented the central nervous system." 
So there's another one that goes, I invented a pine cone. It's like, put that on the fridge. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put this right on the fridge, <laughs> says God. But pine cones don't really fit on the fridge. It's hard it's to get a magnet around it. They fit on God's fridge. It's non-Euclidean. Okay, that's okay, um, fine. <laughs> uh, and basically... Uh, uh, oh, you know, basically, there were humans in the Garden of Eden and all the animals. Mm-hmm. And the angels were like, man, look at these humans. These Look at what God made, because what God made the humans. Yeah, like, and, and the angels sort of tweeted, they were like, these guys were awesome. Look at them. But I made the nervous system. Well, bits and pieces of And then basically, like, they went and go, these humans are absolutely amazing. And God went, right, I'm going to set down a rule now. And that is, you are not allowed to reveal yourself to the humans. So you're not allowed to, not, don't, don't, don't touch. Yeah. Leave them alone. Leave mm-hmm. them alone. Okay? Leave them alone. And so, uh, and that went on for a while, and the, and the angels were like, man, humans are really cool. We look, but, but, but like, they have this potential, like, we've looked inside, they've got this big fucking brain inside there. Yeah, look at that. Imagine what they could do with that. And then, but unfortunately, humans at the time were literally just animals. They didn't have that spark of sapiens. So mm. they were just, like, crapping in the rivers. Oh, shit. And clubbing each other in there. Well, not even clubbing each other in there. They hadn't figured out tool use. They were literally just, like, rutting in the fields and <laughs> running around and whooping at each other. Rutting in the fields. Um, like, there's a story where, like, an angel was saying, like, he wanted humans to understand beautiful music. Mm. So he... Like literally crafted a big section of the earth so that the trees would be in such a way, the mountains would be in such a way that when the wind blew down, mm. it would echo off the mountains and make this beautiful hollow noise, and the trees would sway and make this whispering noise, and it would sound like the most beautiful orchestra ever. And at that exact moment, a bird would just sing at the exact moment, singing in harmony, and it would be the most beautiful song you would ever heard, just just for these humans, so they would understand music. Mm. And so that's what happened. He went well. The human caught the bird out of the air and ate it, and then he pissed against the tree because <laughs> you know they didn't have functioning higher brain powers at the time. Mm-hmm. So basically, a bunch of angels get kind of sick of this and just go, "Well, like God wanted us to look after humans, right? And surely making them better than what they are will be looking after them. Mm. Like just letting them go to waste is not that's not what God would want." Mm-hmm. And, you know, to sort of paraphrase Lucifer in this, I mean, if he really wanted to stop us, he's God. So if he doesn't stop us, then we're right. Nothing's happened. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that as a yes. Um, and so they gave human sapiens. And so began the war in heaven. Because, you know, half the angels were like, you can't fucking do that. Mm-hmm. God said no. And so they have a war. So the creatives against the conformists. Yes. And yeah. so the rebel angels fight against them. There's a war in heaven. We know how this song and dance goes. The rebels lose, get cast down. Down to, you go. Down to the abyss, except Lucifer. Except Lucifer. What? Lucifer, Lucifer gets cast down to earth, but not to the abyss. Hmm. And so the, the, the angels who rebelled are sent down to the abyss and writhe there for a time. A time. A time. Uh, being released during an event which ties over... God, this is what really confused me, was finding out that a whole bunch of World of Darkness series actually tie in with one another. Basically, uh, an event happens. A big rumbling happens. And a hole appears in the abyss, which is, according to some, it's hell, you know, fire, brimstone, yada, yada, yada. In mm-hmm. others, it is dark, and it is the absence of God's light and God's love. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's a bad place. Mm-hmm. And a little tiny, little tiny sliver of, of light appears. And so the weakest, smallest demons are able to escape out of the abyss into the real world. Yeah. And they go, oh my God, what have we done? 
So you look around at the humans and go, oh, what have they done? Or some of them look and go, this is amazing. Look what they've done. Like when we were here, they were literally just like, they, they just learned how to bury their own shit in the sand. Putting stuff on the fridge. They can fly. Yeah. They've gone to the moon. They've gone. It's amazing. Yeah. And others are like, fucking humans. They're the reason we got sent to hell. Yeah. It's all their fault. And some go to heaven and go, right, that's it. We're going to fucking round two. Let's do this. We're angry now. We've got these big fucking horrible hate-filled powers now. Go to heaven. It's empty. All the angels are gone. God's gone. And that's sort of where the game kicks off. It's right. You've just escaped from hell. You now have to compete with the fact that your reason for escaping, you know, to go and get revenge on the angels and God, is kind of redundant because they're gone now. Mm -hmm. You could go and look for Lucifer. No one knows where he is. You could go and take your sort of frustrations out on humans. You could go and tempt them and harvest their souls for power. Well, not harvest their souls because they actually have no interest in souls, but harvest their worship and harvest their sort of mm. passions uh, for power. Um, you could sort of, do, or you could just spend your time keeping the fuck away from the earthbound, who were like demons that were summoned during the Dark Ages and bound into you know inanimate objects, and they're really fucking angry. Very powerful because, like I said, little little demons manage to escape. You guys, you, you level one demons, mm. but the big fucking arc demons, <coughs> well, they've been for a while and they are not pleased. So that's mm. demon is one of my favorite World of Darkness games. Why that is hell, and nor are they out of it. Yes, Ooh, there you go. Bit of falsus in there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> classic World of Darkness. You had your changeling, you had mummy, demon, werewolf, vampire, mage. Am I missing one from Old World of Darkness? My mess. I said mummy. Oh, you said them, yeah. I did. I don't think so, but it, it is what we were saying before we went off on that tangent. Sorry, I do apologise. Uh, yes, they started with Vampire and then Mage, and these became part of the World of Darkness, which became the, the connective tissue between these and their later games, Werewolf and Mummy and Demon. It was, it was Vampire, then Werewolf, then Mage? I think it was Vampire, then Mage, then Werewolf. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. I could have sworn Werewolf for the second one. I did miss one out, Wraith. Ah, ghosts. Yeah, aka, yeah, our actual segue. Ghosts. Uh, the actual most depressing game that White Wolf has ever goddamn made. How so? Hmm. What, Wraith? Well, um, okay, session one, you die. Um, oh, well. Yeah, yeah and then you, you go to the underworld, and it turns out it's not all it's cracked up to be. You get given a job in the underworld, and your choice is to say, yes, I will go and do my job, or no. And if you say no, congratulations, you are now burnt down to the point that you are uh, sapient, self-aware currency. You get wow. turned into coins. You're still aware of your surroundings, you can still feel and think and all that sort of stuff, but you are now coins. Or You're right, though, Werewolf was second. Hey, I knew my werewolf. werewolf and do you know what the fourth game written using the storyteller system, which was the uh, specific mechanics that they invented for the original World of Darkness games? I don't know, actually. Uh, I will give you a hint. It wasn't a World of Darkness game. Was it? It wasn't Ravenloft, was it? No, it no, wasn't. It was E20, wasn't it? Um, ooh, I should, I should know this. It was, was Street it? Fighter. Sorry? Street Fighter. <gasps> of course it was! No, I think we've stumbled across an interesting point, because obviously this is uh, our, our sort of conversations about role-playing games, and uh, we don't really hit too much on the system, so mm. perhaps, Simon, if you'd like to give us an explanation of what Storyteller is. Ah, certainly. So the perhaps the archetypal RPG system is D20, which is the Dungeons & Dragons model, where you have your, your D20 die... And your roles are based on uh, sort of 
attributes, which in D20 are your strength, constitution, charisma, wisdom, intelligence, agility. That's it, isn't it? Dex, but yeah. <laughs> and, and dexterity, yes. And, and from this derives a whole sort of uh, myriad of numbers that describe how good you are at various tasks. You might be very uh, strong, but you might also be thick as shit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that will influence... You might be not particularly strong, but extremely well-trained in hand-to-hand combat. So you're not a great climber and swimmer, but you're a good puncher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, can, you can use skills to offset your physical weaknesses and such. So every game, uh, every role-playing game is based on a mechanic, and it may be as complicated as the D20 system, which I personally consider to be overcomplicated. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. it. It's complicity. Complicity? Complicity? It's not complexity. Complexity, thank you. And it may be as simple as playing a game of Jenga in between rounds of storytelling. Yes. Which is a fantastic system. <laughs> That's a so, so nerve-wracking. Very tense system, yes. White Wolf uses D10s, which is a 10-sided die. A 10 is a great number. It's nice and simple, and it translates quite well to percentages. Mm-hmm. And the better you are at something, the more dice you roll at one time, and you're looking to get over a target number. Whether that's seven or eight depends on whether you're using classic or new World of Darkness, but uh, that's not the most important thing. Again, yeah. you have your inherent attributes and you have your skills. And your inherent attributes in Storyteller are, broadly speaking, your physical, your mental, and your social. And then within each of those, there's your, your raw strength, your nuance, and your... Uh, how it's your resistance so you know you've got your strength dexterity and stamina are your raw raw potential your nuance and your resistance uh equally you've got for i'm trying to remember what they are for intelligence uh you got intelligence wits and resolve that's right and then your last one is your composure is your resistance it's, uh, presence manipulation and composure that's oh, it. god why do i'm able to I, <laughs> I can also run so many of i them. can also say what the old world of darkness ones are because they were strength dexterity stamina uh, intelligence uh wits and uh oh shit what was the last one on that Ooh. Bravado. No, I don't actually remember that one. <laughs> something. I can't remember that one. And then uh, charisma, manipulation, and appearance. Hmm. But anyway, yeah. yeah. And similarly, you have skills that are broken into, broadly speaking, sort of physical skills, academic skills, and innate skills. Yeah. So uh, science and medicine would be academic, whereas fast talking and lying are innate and then your fighting or your physical abilities, that sort of a breakdown. And every character has, in each section, like a first choice, second choice, third choice. So you might be very, very physical in your attributes, not so social and terrible at mental power, but you might be surprisingly well-educated, quite well-physically trained, and not much of a character in terms of your innate abilities. Yeah. Or you might min-max and just be incredibly strong and incredibly physical. And you will make your GM cry. (laughs) (laughs) As you destroy every carefully planned villain's plot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, most RPGs, you're going to also have, like, your health. And the lower that goes, the harder things get for you. You might have interesting character traits, as you do in the World of Darkness. Uh, They are 
you know, odd merits, quirks that make your character good at things, and flaws that add interesting role-playing opportunities. They could be fears or allergies or uh, disabilities. Or if you're a vampire, they might be, you've got no fangs. That would be a disability. Yep. And usually... Sorry, I was just going to say, there was one element to the vampire game that that I'm remembering, which is that if you do something wrong... And then you roll to see if you were okay with doing it or not. Oh, yes, morality rolls. So there's morality in this system as well. Yes, common to most of the World of Darkness games are two different systems. One being, we'll call it morality. In some games it is. In Vampire, it's humanity. Uh, uh, It's sort of appropriate to whatever you're playing. It's something to track how human you still are, usually. Yeah. Or or how sane or how close to the beast. <clears throat> or how on track you are with your given role in the world. Yes, basically. Uh so for vampires, as we say, this is a, a humanity. How much human is left in you. So when you do something that is morally below your level, as it were, because like you start punching off, a nun in the throat. <laughs> that would that would work for most starting characters. Or fighting a crime by dropping a homeless man off a roof. Yeah, that would yeah. also apply. <laughs> then you have to roll based on your current humanity to see whether you feel guilt for that action. And if you do, fantastic. You feel guilty. Guilt is good. If you don't, you slide a little bit more towards the beast. A little bit of your humanity has just slipped away. So every time you take a desperate act and do something questionable to achieve your goals, you are literally gambling with your humanity. And, and that is a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. That is a theme of most of the World of Darkness games. And it's, it's an trying to cling to who you are. Yeah, it's an excellent thing for either if you're running a game or if you're playing a game. It's that, it's, once again, that organic storytelling that White Wolf do so well because it's little changes that you then think as a player, oh, so my character's going to assess these situations a little differently. Mm. I'm going to play them a little bit like this. And because of that, as, a, as you're running the game, uh, you can also react to that and sort of prey on those, uh, those flaws and bring up more interesting stories. There's a, there's a brilliant little bit in the latest Nosferatu clan book for vampire. Nosferatu being probably my favourite vampire clan, like yeah. a sub, sub-family of vampires. I think we went into this. We have gone through them before. Yeah. Uh, the, the ugly critters. Um, and the idea is that as your humanity drops, even if you don't gain derangements, if you, even if your character doesn't lose a little bit of his mind or his, his mental faculties to the beast, so yeah. like he stops acting more human, mm. even if you don't gain one of those, think about throwing in little role-playing hints that your character has lost a bit of humanity. And like, I love this, and this can go in, like, you could take the same thing and go in one of two extremes with it. So for example, just drop all, like, politeness from what you talk, just never say please or thank you. Yeah. Just always, or alternatively, oversell it. Yeah. Always say please and thank you, even when you're like drinking someone's blood. Just yeah. you know, your character just stops every couple of gulps just to keep thanking the person and just slowly stroking their face. <laughs> like, oh god, that's horrible. And they're sort of overdoing <laughs> the humanity so right. because they're like, oh, this is what a human would do. A human would be thankful for this. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> like, oh, and again, again, it's a, 
it's a way of it's a way of showing that those changes and those uh but, but, but without being you know that guy at the yeah. table you know the one that wants to you know just mess things yeah. up and i mean you your, your mileage may vary i mean if you get a group of role players together who are quite comfortable and know exactly what they're doing with their characters you can get some brilliant moments out of this you can get some really creepy stuff you can get some really heartwarming stuff you can get some just generally badass stuff yeah um but you know play to what you're comfortable with and you will remember those war stories for, for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the other that, aspect that's common to most World of Darkness games is the the, the, the powers. Yes. Yes. Vampiric disciplines, uh, werewolf abilities, magical spells for mages, that sort of thing. Yeah. The things that make your characters supernatural and special. Other than, you know, vampires being it almost impervious to harm and you know drinking blood and not aging this is all they're not really sort of kept in mechanics so much as it's just taken as a given um or are innate to everyone but disciplines is where you sort of well with vampire anyway, disciplines is where you shape out your character so he might be he could turn invisible hmm. he could turn into a wolf she could uh, have strength far beyond that of a normal vampire or the power to control people's minds yeah Oh, at higher levels, this is one of my favorite ones. She can slap someone and turn their head into blood, or stop time, or yeah, pluck the true bruja. You can stop time. <laughs> uh, you could turn into a giant snake. You could, you could rip your, you could rip a snake. Am I? Followers are saying you can totally play just Jafar. Yes, um, you could rip out your own heart and put it in a jar. That's always helpful. It is yeah. uh, surprisingly, surprisingly helpful. Uh, it makes it very hard to rep. stake you in the heart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ravnos, you can create a perfect illusion. Um, there's some bizarre and amazing abilities out there. Um, Gifts, which is the, um, the, the werewolf uh, power stat, their, their thing can get ridiculous as well. I mean, there's a, um, I mean, level five ones, the highest you can get uh, for a regular player character is like, you know, turn into sunlight. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one is. Screws uh, up a vampire's day, that one. Oh, it really messes with people. I mean, my favorite one is, this is another thing that's uh, kind of synonymous with White Wolf and their sort of lack of proofreading things, um, <laughs> is that in this Werewolf main book, Player's Guide, Storyteller's Guide, it still doesn't explain how you get beyond level five abilities. Hmm. Like, level five is your level cap. That you can you start out at one, you can grow to two, to three, to four, and then when you're a, the biggest badass you can possibly be, it's your level five, and that's generally when your GM will be like, "Okay, let's bring on the apocalypse. Let's see how well you fare." Yeah, there is a level six power in that book mm. in in the in the player's guide. Yeah, and no explanation of how to get level six abilities. Yeah, and it's literally just you look at someone and you go, "No, I don't think so," and you just erase them from existence, like they never happened. Nice. <laughs> But there's no way of getting it. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's like that whole thing of <laughs> there, is a, there is a key behind a locked door. Yeah. The key is to the locked door. Yeah. You know, like, there's just no way of getting to it. But it's, um, it, it is, that is really good. And it's clever, it's clever writing. Um, I think what makes these games good is the way that all this information is presented. Like all of those powers that you just listed are very, very broad. So you can choose what they actually are like really in your game setting. Mm. Um, and with interesting things like that level six thing that you can just sort of think about and go, how would you get that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it, let's make a story about it. It, it really comes to head with, uh, I mean, another thing I really like about White Wolf is the depth to the world. <laughs> like there's, there's source books for everything you can imagine, like 
old world, old world of Dark, we'll just focus on for the moment. Like every city you could possibly want to set a game in has its own book. Mm. Um, every clan you could possibly play has its own book with like, oh, maybe you want to play like this. Maybe you want to have this extra discipline. Maybe you want to, you know, all this sort of stuff. The Malkavian one in particular is absolutely <laughs> bloody wonderful because uh, in the uh, uh, listings, like the, the index, there is a, there is a, a reference to page XDX because on numerous occasions in White Wolf books, uh, they have had... You know, for this, turn to page XDX, where clearly it was meant to be a specific page number. Yes, basically what happens is when you're writing the book, you don't know what page something will end up on once it's laid out. Because you don't know what Exactly. So you drop in a reference, turn to page XX, intending to go back and put in the correct number before it goes to print. Now, White Wolf, while we love them, were notorious for not doing that in every case. Yeah. Oh, is that what so, that means, though, when you come across that sometimes? Page XDX, that's what it means. Oh, wow. It means uh, page number to go here. But what, what is wonderful that. is that the Malkavian clan book has a page XDX. Which contains every table from every other book that has ever been referred to as page XX. And that's amazing. And what's even better, it's in the middle of a chapter. <laughs> it's literally right slap bang in the middle of a chapter. With no no reference to it, it's just you just turn the page and suddenly you're like you're reading like, like how to play a Malkavian, it, which by the way are insane vampires. Yes. For those who haven't listened to our they're, they're, they're insane, but with access to mysterious knowledge, which makes this even better. Yes, yeah. So you just turn a page when you're reading about all the clan's history in Mesopotamia, and then you just mm. turn the page. It's just like a whole bunch of stuff from across the wall of darkness. <laughs> novels like uh, huh, and you just see it down the bottom page XDX. Mm. There's uh, one of my favourite ones in that book as well. There's, there's a Malkavian called the World the, the Word Eater. <laughs> and he's literally just going around uh, eating pages from books, trying to gain all the knowledge of the world. That's interesting. <laughs> right? And there's a picture of him in the bottom corner, and the text fades the closer it gets to him. <laughs> and as you just get towards the bottom, you just can't read the writing anymore. Oh, that's... And there's just a picture of him just smiling at you at the bottom of the page. And then you, <laughs> that's and then, awesome. And then you turn the page, and it's the last, last half a sentence of the chapter. It just says, and other butchers' aprons. <laughs> and that's the end of the chapter. Amazing. Like, I love that book. It messes with you something chronic. But again, and it just gives that it perfectly sums up exactly the kind of thing that you want to be throwing into your game for insane knowledge bearing vampires who may or may not be a hive mind. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. There's. I mean, there's so many opportunities to play some really great characters. And that's just in vampire. Like werewolf has a whole bunch of different tribes you can play as. If you want to play like uh, the the wise cracking hobo werewolves. You can play the the high powered Hong Kong businessman werewolves. Say most werewolves are incredibly high powered, I believe. Uh, they? <laughs> yeah, old, old world of darkness. Uh, uh, Simon, you can uh, you correct me if I'm wrong on this, but was not particularly well power balanced between the books. No, not at all. In Each fact, I was just going to yeah. come on to sort of Old World of Darkness's history and why New World of Darkness became a thing. Yes. Each each Old World of Darkness book was supposed to be a standalone, with the idea being. If you want to, like, have other World of Darkness lines take part in your thing, fine. But if you're playing werewolf, then the werewolf cosmology is canon. Hmm. If you're playing vampire, yes. the vampire cosmology is you canon. You have to conform what other, whatever other game you work into your campaign to conform to the law of the campaign you are running. Yeah, I see. They, uh, yes, Old World of Darkness ran from 1991 till 2003. And not only did they publish all these source books around it, they did establish, as we were saying, this canonical storyline through novels, 
through lots of background in all these books, through online communities, and through the um, the Camarilla, the official live action role playing group. Oh, the Mind's Eye Theatre and all that. The Mind's Eye Theatre. So it was steeped in years of history and very devoted fans. And as I say, people wanted to cross over the games. They wanted to bring werewolves into vampire games, majors into werewolf games, and such. And it was not easy to do because the power levels were all over the goddamn place. A level one werewolf would completely just mop the floor with like a group of level three vampires, for example. Yeah. Unless they yeah. knew what they were doing. Because they're just killing machines. Yeah, they're, they're, built, they're built to fight and kill and win. Yes. But the fans really wanted these crossovers. It, it made sense. They'd created a shared world and then made it hard to share the world. Yes. <laughs> so in 2003, they released the new World of Darkness, which was a revised system. You know, they tweaked the numbers, tweaked some of the stats, uh, learned from what they'd been doing. But most importantly, the new World of Darkness was a core rulebook that was the World of Darkness rulebook. And then the Vampire, the Requiem book, or um, what was Mage in Mage was the, the Awakening? Story. The Awakening, yes, because the Ascension yeah. was the other one. Uh, and such and were seeking. Yeah, they were auxiliary rules. They were the rules you add to the World of Darkness rules to make a mage. The rules you add to the World of Darkness rules to make a vampire. So these games were inherently compatible. It became much, much easier to run games that crossed over the storylines. That was sort of the purpose of the new World of Darkness. It also streamlined a lot of things down. For example, vampire clans went from 13 to 5. And I remember reading that and going, oh my god, no, where have all my favourites, yada, 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 gone? And the reasoning I saw behind it was really, really good, which is basically, if you have the option of playing one of 13 clans, then the possibility for you to play a kind of walking stereotype of that clan increases it dramatically. It's, it's the whole uh, Planet of Hats yes. problem. Absolutely. All Toreador are the classic Toreador. All Gangrel are the classic Gangrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you're the only Gangrel in the party, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to be the, the hairy savage uh, who's always thinking about things in terms of predator and prey. Yeah. You know, that, whereas if there's only five clans, you've got to be very careful about how you personify your character, how you build on that character. It's a lot harder to be a stereotype when the characters are a little bit more vague. It falls down with Werewolf, I think, because it's very hard to tell the difference between the, the five tribes. Versus- yeah, there's a lot of overlap. <laughs> yeah, uh, Werewolf Forsaken was kind of a, a misstep, yeah. um, especially compared to the strength of, of, of Apocalypse. Um, Mage does quite well, but it, you allow it, and they also allow to flesh out with like political ideologies. But you have in Vampire as well with the, the Carthians and the, the the Invictus and all that sort of stuff. Uh, um, so you, you not only do you have allegiance to a clan, but you also have allegiance to a, a particular vampiric political or uh, religious ideology. So in that, you sort of okay, he's a Nosferatu, ah, but he's a Nosferatu who is like a radical, uh, you know, equal rights for vampires Nosferatu. So he's very different to the other Nosferatu in the party who worships an ancient uh, tripartite uh, crone goddess. Hmm. It's his thing. So, you know, so, and so on and so forth. They let you build on this, that, and the other. And you're like, okay, so they are the same clan, but they're very different in how they think about things. But they might still work together on this. And you're like, oh, okay, so you get a lot more interesting dynamics going on there. And then you bring in the fact that each game can then just bolt on to one another. 
and the the, the fact that like the the mythology of it all changes a bit and becomes a lot more vague and a lot more grey and muddy. Because they wanted all the worlds to work together, so they couldn't have any categorically true mythology to any of the games. Yeah. So, I mean, you could absolutely have vampires who believe in, you know, Cain and the first vampire and all that sort of stuff. But you can have young radical vampires who think that's stupid. Yeah. They might be right, they might be wrong. It's hard to tell because now, like, vampires live forever. Oh, that's going to be a problem because surely old vampires will live, which is a big problem with Old World of Darkness, which is the Camarilla, say, Cain doesn't exist, and old, ancient, you know, cannibal vampires that stalk our nightmares. No, they're not real. But the problem is, like, the really old vampires met them. So clearly, <laughs> they should know. Hmm, bit suspicious, that. It's the stories we tell. Whereas Vampire Requiem... Mm. Uh, every every few hundred years, a vampire has to sleep like for a really long time, so his yeah, blood yeah. thins out. And, and when they wake up, they can't tell the difference between their past and their dreams. So a lot of them will write it down in journals, but sometimes their rivals will steal their journals and fuck with them. Sometimes they'll <laughs> forget where they put their journals. Sometimes they'll wake up and read a journal, and it's not been fucked with, and they'll say, oh, I did not write this. Where's my show? Yeah, and it's like, oh, so no vampire history is completely indecipherable. Mm. And I love that so much. Like, However, right. yeah. mostly what happened was people ran classic World of Darkness games using the new rules. Yes. Yeah. Because people found they were beloved of the Camarilla and they were and beloved of the old clans. And, and so certainly I mostly ran classic World of Darkness games using the new rules. Which is, which is fine. The new rules are brilliant. They're, they're very streamlined and they work perfectly. You can just bolt them on and they go. Absolutely, and they they sort of knew this was going to happen because whilst they did slim down the number of clans to five, they also put in bloodlines. So you have these sort of child clans of each of the main clans that have their own properties and their own history with rules on how to create a unique bloodline. Uh, and a couple of the examples they gave happened to be a couple of the old clans. With some new and interesting ones. It was like the Burakamin, the, the Japanese like, necromancer Nosferatu. Yes. Mm-hmm. So whilst um, they really opened it up, they very much said, look, we get it. Here's how you would create a Ravnos. Yeah. Which, Which a lot of people did. Yeah. I think that's another strength to it as well, because, I mean, there is a fear with, I mean, the amount of lore that comes along with the world of darkness is staggering, the amount of backstory that is there. But it is nice that they have that element there as well. They're like, fair enough, this is, if you want to use it, you can go ahead. But it is the tools to do what you want to do with it as well. It's like when a comic universe resets. Like yeah. The new 52 and all. I'm probably a bad example because it wasn't quite well received by Logan, but like... And not fully reset. Yeah. <laughs> but when, you, when you like hard reset a universe, it's like the Ultimates, for example. Yeah, when you hard ultimate. reset a universe, you're right, we start again, we want a new beginning, here, go. Yeah. But then you throw into it these things where you go, hey, remember this character who we, you know, haven't brought into the Ultimates? Like, you can still have them. They're, they're here in this universe. They're a bit different, maybe, but it's still, at its core, the same character. Maybe you'll like this slightly more. And... You know, it's, it's sort of like that. It's like, okay, we've reset everything, but it's still there if you want to go looking for it. Yeah. And with uh, role-playing games being what they are, you make of it what you will. Like, you're the GM. Build what you want to build using the system. The golden rule is have fun and you know, use, use what's in the book as guidelines. Um, yes. Yeah, there you go. Yep. And we had three years of the New World of Darkness published under uh, White Wolf Publishing. Was it only three years? 
That was when CCP bought oh. White Wolf. And yeah. White so Wolf as an independent publishing company ceased to exist. Yeah, ah, 2006. Right. And CCP is a publishing company? I'm afraid I don't they're, they're a know video they game are. company. Well, yeah, and although I know, but like... No, they are a video game company. They make EVE yeah. Online. Okay. That, That's their you. thing. Thank you. <laughs> and I, thought, I, I thought their thing was like Icelandic fetish clubs. No, that's just their hobby. Okay, cool. Uh, basically, CCP <laughs> bought uh, White Wolf as a way to get the IP, support the company who were having some financial difficulty, and to make an MMO of the World of Darkness. And let's be honest, of Vampire. That yep. was very much the plan. And, well, that's never going to happen. Ever. The MMO got shut down. Uh, it was a very troubled development. There's interesting sort of autopsies of the development online. Uh, it didn't work at all. And the world of darkness within CCP sort of started to flounder a little bit. So they, they kept publishing, but six years later, after it was clear the MMO had completely collapsed, yeah. a lot of the original White Wolf team left and formed a company called Onyx Path Publishing. Independent company once again. And they licensed White Wolf games back from CCP. So we had what was essentially White Wolf publishing independently again. And they created sort of new revisions of the new World of Darkness as well as reprints of some of the classic games in 20th anniversary editions that were again tidied up and uh, streamlined slightly. And some of what they did was really fascinating. Uh, the Vampire Blood and Smoke put in new rules for vampires that tied them to mortal events and meant their humanity inevitably slipped away as they achieved things that humans couldn't and did things that humans wouldn't. So to go from being human to losing your first bit of humanity, all you had to do was just not see a sunrise or sunset for a few days. Ooh. So you couldn't hold on to your humanity. As everyone you knew died, and you outlived everyone you knew, you lose humanity. Because a human would You're just aging. losing, yeah. 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 It's, it's no longer a morality scale. It is actually, it's what makes you human. Yeah. The morality scale is still there. You can still oh, accelerate yeah. downwards by acting inhuman. Yeah. But you can no longer cling to humanity. It's going to go away. It's just a matter of how quickly. Which I thought was sort of, fascinating. It does sort of taper out around about three or four. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then you have to really push yourself to be a monster to keep dropping. Don't but you that. will become a monster one way or the other. Yeah. Now things have gotten complicated. <laughs> because... <laughs> CCP no longer own White Wolf. Uh, White Wolf has been bought from CCP by Paradox Interactive, another video games company, as of last year. Wow, that is recent. Yeah, October last year, very recent. It was. We, I think you did announce it on one of our episodes. Actually, I did indeed. Yeah. Now, Paradox um, are probably best known for games like, um, well, Cities. Skylines, uh, but also Crusader Kings, Europa Universalis, big strategy games. Mm. They also published Pillars of Eternity, which is Obsidian. 
<laughs> RPG makers. Yeah. So you can sort of see where the interest for Paradox comes in. And mm. I don't mind the idea of the guys who did Knights of the Old Republic 2 or Fallout New Vegas yeah. Yeah. having the right to make a vampire game, for example. <laughs> God. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, one of the first things that happened when Paradox bought White Wolf was they got a phone call from Activision going, so you guys clearly get this World of Darkness thing. Can you tell us why Bloodlines keeps selling? Yep. <laughs> it's, it is... If you play, yeah. play Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, because it is, it is a brilliant mess. Now, like, get, yeah. get all the patches broken mess. that make it work. Get all the patches that make it work and play it, because it's a brilliant game. Brilliant game. It's an outstanding game. It was broken when it was released, but it has been fixed by the community. It's cheap, it's on Steam, it's always on sale. Pick it up, play it, you won't regret it. It's fantastic. Yeah. But the state of White Wolf, as of Paradox buying it, are the licensing agreement to Onyx Path no longer existed because the company they created the agreement with ceased to exist. Uh, The creators of the, the sort of classic World of Darkness were no longer with White Wolf, as it was under Paradox. So you had the classic World of Darkness, which no one really owned, the new World of Darkness, which mm, whilst Paradox had the rights to, they didn't have any of the creators of, yeah. and then you had the 20th anniversary editions of the classic games, which were with Onyx Path, who no longer had the rights to create more of them. And the new New World of Darkness games like Blood and Smoke, which were with Onyx Path, but they didn't have any rights to continue making. (laughs) So something had to give. Yeah, it's kind of hit a bit of a clusterfuck. (laughs) And the situation that exists now, the Paradox have sat down with Onyx Path and come up with an agreement. Onyx Path, the company formed by the bulk of what was White Wolf, will never make another World of Darkness game. Instead, they have taken the name Chronicles of Darkness. Ah, of course. And their new, new World of Darkness games, like Blood and Smoke and everything, become the Chronicles of Darkness. Which is where we get things like the God Machine? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Paradox have just recently announced and started the One World of Darkness. Oh. And the, the announcement of One World of Darkness is literally them saying there's no classic, there's no new, there's no new new, there is One World of Darkness. Ooh. And the One World of Darkness will be the continuation of the classic World of Darkness. Past the sort of cut-off point of 1999, which I thought it was past, Yeah. Past the time of judgment. Yeah, 2003-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is this is what's becoming interesting to me is it's beyond the apocalypse. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if yeah. it will actually be beyond the apocalypse or if they're pushing the apocalypse date back. Or if the apocalypse was prevented? I mean some of the some of the, the storylines in the apocalyptic source books that they released did have you, you know, Averting things or delaying things. Delay, yeah, I like think it's delaying. I, I gotta admit, I'm kind of in two minds about that because on on one level, that's great because I love Vampire the Masquerade. I also love Requiem. I love Vampire the Masquerade. I love Wealth the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. 
But I really like a lot of the stuff that has happened since with the new World of Darkness compared to the old one. So like, if they're continuing the old World of Darkness, the classic World of Darkness, yep. then it means there'd be a potentially continuing Wraith, which is a gr- absolutely a great game, really, really great game, very depressing game. <laughs> like, no, no, it's... it's, it's no, we've good, good, yes. I believe they have specifically name-checked Wraith. Yeah, but the problem with that is that the replacement, well, it's not really the replacement, but the sort of spiritual, no pun intended, success (laughs) of Wraith is Geist in the new World of Darkness, which is such a great and really necessary game for World of Darkness because it's the idea of, okay, you died. That's okay. Have a second chance. Enjoy life. And it's it's the the, the best theme for um, Geist is a New Orleans funeral. It's, I really it, like playing Ghost. I thought it was really good. Oh, Ghost is a great game, and it's just basically, okay, death. That's a thing that we all have to deal with. So let's enjoy the time we have. And I think that's a really, really great little message for, a, for an RPG in you know, the otherwise very bleak world of darkness. Changeling as well. Old Changeling I really didn't get on with, the dreaming. The whole, you know, you are the reborn souls of the Fae in human children. No, uh, and other than that now and, as you, and now it's you are um, children who were stolen by the Fae and have managed to make your way back to Earth and now you've basically just got to make sure you never ever get found again because you are not going back and it's, it's a very unsettling game and I know I just literally just mentioned about Wraith being a bit too depressing and Changing the Lost is super goddamn but if you read it in the right light it is so depressing because it's, it's all about survivor's guilt and stuff like that it's all about I've made it back, but I've brought a lot of stuff back with me. And it's, it's a very, if you, you've got to get the right kind of people to play that game. I think it's a lot more powerful than old Changeling. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not, it's like the opposite problem of, of, of old World of Darkness going away, new World of Darkness coming in. So I don't want to lose this sort of stuff. But yeah, I think that's the thing. Chronicles exactly. of Darkness is yeah. the new World of Darkness. Yes. But the, also I mean, old. Because, yes, they will never make a World of Darkness game again. Yes. But the Chronicles of Darkness games are listed as Vampire the Requiem, Werewolf the Forsaken, Mage the Awakening, Promethean the Created, Changeling the Lost, Hunter the Vigil, Geist the Sin Eaters, Mummy the Curse, Demon the Descent, and Beast the Primordial. So it is just the new world of darkness. Oh, Beast the Primordial. (laughs) Will you ever win? It's a name change. They don't have the rights to world of darkness anymore. Yeah. But what Paradox have said is, we love you guys. Keep making it. Yeah. Just don't call it World of Darkness. They said, okay, Chronicle of Darkness? And they said, yeah, sure, do it. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's literally all it is. So Geist is still there. Oh, and good. Geist okay. will continue. But yes. Geist will be a Chronicle of Darkness, not a World of Darkness game. Excellent. I would seriously suggest people check out Geist if you're into your sort of uh, supernatural, ghosty RPGs, because it's really good. Um, and but what it means is yeah. we get the revival of the classic World of Darkness lore, officially, which I'm all about. I want to see what they do with this. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And also, if you're in the market for getting into, like, just Old World of Darkness, uh, pick up one of the 20th anniversary editions of the old books, uh, because in it will have all of the, well, not all of, but most of the source book material. Um, so you'll have your basic rules, and you'll have your um, clan books and storytellers guides and players guides and all that yeah. sort of stuff in one location. So it's it's a bit like getting you know your, your trade paperback of of your comic. Like oh, where do I start? Okay, here's everything you need in one book. Yeah, it's like buying Encyclopedia Britannica. 
in one false yeah um, playing game. I don't think they've released a Wraith 20th edition yet, and if they do, it'll be very interesting to see if they release the World War One source book in there. Well, seeing Boy. as the 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 classic World of Darkness 20th anniversary books were on its path, and they don't have the rights anymore, I don't oh, know shit. if they will. True, I think because uh, yeah, Wraith had some very very interesting source books. There was yeah, the Great War and. Uh, there was a show, a source book of all things as well with that one, mm. which is quite in, yeah. There's an odd collection of things in Old World of Darkness. I believe they were allowed to finish the ones they'd started, so Changeling Wraith. will happen. Yeah, Changeling will happen. Wraith probably was in the mix as well. Um, I've not seen no. any announcements about Wraith. Okay, fair enough. Um, it'll be interesting to see then. Mm. Wraith was a good game. I keep, I keep spewing about all these games I fucking love except Beast. Um... <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, World of Darkness. Chronicles of Darkness. The future. The one World of Darkness. The mm. one Billy Gun. <laughs> <laughs> the one starring Jet Li. And generally White Wolf and its evolution. Yes. I'm particularly excited about what Paradox um, owning it means for the future of World of Darkness video games. Hunter, 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 Hunter. Because there haven't been a huge number of them. No. We've had, what, Wolf? Well, sorry, no, we've had, we've had Vampire the Masquerade Redemption, which yep. was uh, broken. Never, ever played it or seen I, it. I have. It's, it's, not, it's not great. Um, it's all right. Um, it's all right. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Like, it's not what you'd want from a vampire game. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bloodlines, sure. which it, was a, a flawed gem. Yeah, loved it. Yes. Brilliant. And there was a Hunter game, but I never played it. There were two Hunter games. Uh, both from old Hunter the Reckoning. <coughs> they uh, lend themselves very well to video they games. Were, the monster they were, they were gauntlet-esque, top-down um, arcade shooters. Yeah, yeah that makes oh. sense. Yeah. Um, so you were basically like a squad of four, pe- four sample games. Like, do you remember the Baldur's Gate games on the original yeah. Xbox? Yeah. Uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. That, but in like modern-day New York, and you're gunning down zombies. Yes. There you go. That's, that's the Hunter. No, I think there were two of them. I've got one of them on the PlayStation 2. Wow. I forget what the other one was called, though. There were two Hunter games. There was Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, Vampire the Masquerade Redemption. I think that's it. Unless I'm missing something obvious. No, I think that is it. But yeah. given that what Paradox are probably best known for are the Crusader Kings and Europa Universalis games, which are games where you manage a lineage of rulers throughout history, big, mm. epic, lineage-based games, I would love to see a strategic vampire game Ooh. where you play you know, the, the, <coughs> this character through centuries of and- manipulation and sneaking and fighting in the shadows to run an empire. Or you could die in the Elizabethan era. <laughs> It could happen. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely could. Especially, yep. <laughs> especially if you had it over the course of... I mean, I know um, Crusader Kings is like the entirety of Europe. Um, but even if you had it, again, over that sort of same scale, maybe even if you towed it down to like a city. Mm. That could but just be something weird. with lineage and strategy. Yeah. That's what I want to see. We're mutant wishlisting again. This is our favourite hobby. We are. Stage one. <laughs> it is, but like, it's the best thing to do. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, World of Darkness. It's I think I, I, it's probably not a far stretch to say it's our favourite roleplay setting. I think that's fair. Certainly in terms of hours played, it's not enough for me. Yeah, absolutely. Werewolf doesn't get enough love. 
doesn't. And I've never, like, I've never played in it properly. I made a character once. Should we do Running Game of Wealth at some we point? We should do Running Game of Wealth at some point. We're going to do Werewolf, uh, Wild West, won't we? I, I do have the source book for Wealth the Wild West. Because <laughs> they had, you yeah, know, Victorian Age Vampire and Wealth the Wild West. Yeah. The Wild Wild West. Mm-hmm. You get, like, lots of coyotes. Yep, and you have werewolves attacking a giant mechanical spider. Oh, wow. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's in the Wild Wild West. Yeah. Yes, I, no, I know. The movie is otherwise known not as a good film. Snare Beast. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Spider is, the, is nature's most powerful predator. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is not the Smodcast. No, um, no. And I'm going to do something that the listeners will thank me for. You have been listening to World uh, on Stage 1. One last thing. Go. Um, I looked into it, the Percy Jackson Scion thing. Yeah, Percy okay. Jackson, Percy Jackson came out two years before Scion. We need to beat the shit out of White Wolf. Yeah, but it's all based off... The it's all the same. same yeah. years ago, so come on. And what goes around comes around, after all. Yeah, it's not it like is. White Wolf haven't been ripped off themselves. Oh, oh indeed. Talk about Underworld, but Please see Underworld. For another time. Um, <laughs> they're still making those films. Anyway. They are. It's horrific. But yeah. you have been listening to World 1 Stage 1. I have been Simon. And I have been Jack. I have been Irish. And I've been Rob. Goodbye.